There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. In this episode, I speak to pundit, podcaster and psychotherapist, Richie Sadler. I didn't think I had a book in me. I never thought I'd, I'd, I'd write the last book I wrote. Um, and if a 15-year-old me was told that I'd be having a conversation like this at the ripe old age of 43, if 25-year-old, 35-year-old me was told that, yeah, I, I, I would have... It would have just been astounding to me. Like, completely... I, I would not have been able to even contemplate a conversation like this about a book like this, which was written by me. Yeah. Um, it, it would have been way too big a leap to consider... This is my second time sitting down to chat to Richie for the podcast. And as always, he is such a brilliant guest. He's married to Fiona. And when we spoke in 2019, his autobiography, Recovering, had just been released. And in it, he revealed he'd been sexually abused when he was 14 by a physio he'd been attending for back pain. Two and a half years on, he's just released a second book called Let's Talk, written for teenage boys. And in it, he covers everything they might need or want to know about sex, intimacy, relationships, breakups and everything else in between. He also runs his own private psychotherapy practice and he has a passion for supporting adolescent development. So he really knows his stuff in this area. Here it is. And I remember when we spoke and it was back in... 2019 so in, in in a pre-pandemic world you were saying that's it I've written the book I'm not gonna <laughs> I will be writing another I think I remember the phrase I said to you something along the lines of um I think I told my wife at the time Fiona <laughs> if I ever ever even mentioned the thought of writing another book shoot me 
and here I am here you it. are yeah. no but look a lot of time has passed let's be honest and I suppose lockdown offered time to write a book it did sure good god that it presented a lot of challenges but it offered exactly what you yeah. said a lot of a lot of time which presented new opportunities and I just went for it yeah the uh, the publisher initially kind of said that they, they approached me and said well, would you think of writing something for the age group that are just leaving primary before they get into secondary the kind of pre-adolescence just when puberty's kicking in and adolescence kicking in they're going from a primary world to a secondary school world and I had to think about it and I thought I kind of I'm much more comfortable and familiar with the world of lads they're a little bit older than that because mm. I predominantly work with lads that age yeah um, and I went back to them and said what about the 15 16 year old age group um, and I just went for it yeah and but it, this is what you know this is what you've been studying this is what you when in your practice you are you're speaking to young people so you're surrounded by it all the time you are aware of what the the issues are coming up for them. Yeah, like so. If if I went to other age groups or or, or wrote about let's say girls, or I, I wouldn't have had the familiarity that yeah. I have based on the work that I've been doing for the last few years. So it just felt like the right thing to do, and I thought it'd be worth doing. Um, and t- like we're we're chatting now on because uh, no, this is a Thursday morning. Yeah. This is the morning that it's released. Yeah. So congrats. I'm still in the stage where. I've no idea and everyone who writes a book will say this that the pre-launch or pre-release phase there's only a very small amount of people have actually read it mm. they're usually the people involved in the publishing or the editing you might extend it to a, a friend or a family member if they have any interest but like I can count on one hand the amount of people who've read the whole thing Yeah. so I've no idea yet what the the feedback's going to be exactly so you just like the last book you sit there and just brace yourself for all kinds of responses well, I think the responses from my experience of, of, of not reading a cover to cover, but reading good chunks of it, uh, I think this is, people are crying out for this. I, I mean, I know that this will be a book that I'll hold on to and give to my son good. when he's of the age. Um, because a lot of us, and look, we're Irish, a lot of us grew up with uh, a very poor sex talk or none at all, um, or maybe the book put under the pillow. What was yours? not really it was non-existent and I'm, I'm not saying that to, to, to be mean or nasty but it was just the truth of it mm-hmm. so I think normalising as, as the book is called Let's Talk normalising the conversation around sex relationships and all that goes with it before we get into it uh, you on a personal level because back in 2019 you'd got married you'd finished your masters your own book Recovering was, was just launched so you had a lot going on and now um, a few years on you have had major back surgery and you've been recovering from that and releasing the book. Mm. So how is life at the moment? Life is great. It's um, everything feels like a novelty to me. Now, I know a lot of people on the back of lockdown have been saying this for a while, like sitting with people and making eye contact Mm. with people and being out of your house or or, or away from your family or the people you live with. But so I had spinal fusion surgery on the 30th of November and I was told that for the first 12 weeks I'd more or less have to stay lying down. Mm. So for about 22 hours a day, I'd be lying down, which was just brings real simplicity to life. That's just what I did. And then to the next four weeks of that afterwards, um, so for the month of March, I was allowed to do a little bit more. 
and then I went to see the physio last Friday for the la- latest checkup, and he said you're four months now. It, it, it would, the phrase you used, it, it would kind of take a sledgehammer to dislodge the fusion that's now in your back. Like you're, it's solid. You're good to go. And he asked me to do one thing. My my shoes were on on, on fr- in front of me on the ground, and he said, "Just pick up your runners there." And and I did. And and the way I picked them up was the way I've been picking up things for years. I I kind of went down in a really awkward way, as if I was protecting myself, or as if as if I was expecting to feel a pain. And I made the like I I, I to be an old man grown out of me, like the noise <laughs> you'd expect from a fellow who's in his sixties. Yeah. And, and and that's just the way of. And he said, "No one picks up the shoes like that, yeah. and you don't have to anymore." Brilliant. So it's like a confidence thing or a, a mindset set shift now that I have to. Uh, that I'm really looking forward to. Going, yeah. I, it, it's not going to hurt if I do really basic things anymore. So just go and do them. Um, so Fiona is like really excited by the prospect of being married to someone who who can go for walks, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe who doesn't say after an hour and a half of a night out, "Is there any chairs around? <laughs> like, can we go home?" Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. Um, God knows what life would be like from here on in, but I'm I'm delighted I'm out of the bed. I'm delighted I got it done. That must have been hard. It was twenty two hours. Yeah. Now now uh, they they gave me really. I, I I've had loads of surgeries before, and the advice afterwards in terms of pain management was here's some tablets to take if you need them. Right. But the advice here was here's the tablets that you take. Mm-hmm. So you don't wait till you're painful in pain and respond. Just kind of keep you top pro. Top. Yeah. So, yeah. which was great. So I was relatively comfortable. Now, I was out of my mind. Right. <laughs> they, they were really, there was the strongest stuff ever. Right. Um, so for most of December, I was kind of lying there <laughs> a little bit tuned out of the world. Okay. Which was fine. I didn't have to do anything. Like I had no responsibilities. No one was expecting me to go anywhere. I just shut down everything. Okay. Um, and Fiona was minding you. She was great. Everyone would It's kind of reliant. You're, you're reliant on living with someone like Fiona in order for that to be a success because if you're living alone it won't work if you're living with someone who is is short of patience or is out the door with a million other things that they have to do or they can't be there or they're just there's not the kind of people you want to be around when you're a little bit vulnerable and you'll struggle but but I was really really lucky yeah sure you're a great team Uh, I remember that from the the chat we had before and what a brilliant couple you are so you're back swimming as well yeah. Yeah, great. Jumped back in last week for the first time. Class. And even that was, I was nervous, like, getting in. I was like, am I allowed? Again, this really, the basic is, am I allowed to kick my legs? Am I allowed yeah. to move my arms in, in ways? Because having spent 12 weeks being told, you don't reach for anything, don't twist, don't turn, don't bend. Mm. Just be very, very careful. Um, so I just have to get all that advice out of my head. Yeah. And just go and live. Yeah, brilliant. So inside the book, you say, for my 15 year old self, mm. which anyone who's read Recovering, I, I, I felt it, you know, I really did. I I, um, I would imagine for you that is that's pretty big. And, and I actually thought for a long, long time about what to put on that page. You don't have to put anything on that page. You don't have to dedicate a book to anyone or mention anything and you know I wondered will, will I write it will I name check my nieces and nephews there's there, there's eight of them and will I mention Fiona or will I tiptoe into the area that I ended up writing about mm. um, and it just felt like I, I, I'll i go with that because a big, a big as we mentioned a moment ago a big driver for this book was 
a lot of the experiences that I've heard young people speak about over the last few years. Yeah. And I thought it would be good for them to have something like this. Or or, or, or maybe the decisions or their behaviour would have changed if they had conversations or around this stuff or read a book like this beforehand. Um, but also, like, at a way, way, way deeper level, um, I was kind of thinking back to me back then. Yeah. There'd be people listening to this who didn't read the first book and won't know what we're talking about. Like, I wrote about being sexually abused in my early teens. So... I, I, I do think when, when we often talk about young lads in relation to sex education, for lots of understandable reasons, the focus is often on this is important for them to know so that we can protect girls mm-hmm. or it's important for them to know so that, so that they won't wrong other people. And, and there's a section in the book where I write about consent. It's like, lads, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've heard people talk about the importance of respecting your partner. That's absolutely essential. But do not forget, like, you're worthy of respect too. Yeah. And when we talk about respecting your partner's body or your partner's voice and, and all of that, remember you have a voice too and, and, and that you're worthy also. So obviously that comes from a very deep place, mm. um, but it's a it's an important part of the conversation for young lads. Of course it is, yeah. Mm. Now, I know it is aimed at, at, as you said, young lads, but I do think that even though it's not written for teenage girls, I, th- I think we we can all, including myself, I think this is not just a book for teenagers. I think the parents of teenagers would get a lot out of reading it. Yeah, I had one message on Twitter already this morning from a woman who said, just read it. Um, my lads aren't of the age yet to read it but I've gotten a load of pointers in what to say and in insights into the kind of dilemmas and challenges they're going to face. Because we forget so much. We do forget what it's like to be a kid, teenager, when you, the body starts to change and what's going on for us. Like, it, you know, it is, you have to bring yourself back to that to have kind of understanding for what they're going through. But we don't have to because we just read the book. Yeah, but you, you're right. I do think we all, like... Uh, uh, the, one of the most common things I get in my practice when the parents are sitting in front of their teenager and me in the first session and they explain the, as best as they can, they explain the, the behaviour or the thinking or the world that their son or daughter is in. And often it comes with a bit of like, you know, we wish he didn't do this or she's a bit like this. And it's a bit of judgment or a bit of something. And, and I kind of invite them then go, they're 15, are they? Yeah, okay. Can you remember what you were like when you were 15? Mm-hmm. I know it's a long time. Can, can, you, can you think back? Like, Can you remember what conversations were you having with your parents? How, how much did you listen to mum or dad? Or how comfortable were you saying X, Y, and Z? And, and then they spend a little bit of time. And they go, oh, God, no. Jesus, no. You wouldn't. I wouldn't have said that to mum. I wouldn't have said to dad. Sure, I stayed in my bedroom. I wouldn't even sit with them when they were 15. And I said, did you, were you good friends? Were you close? Jesus, no. It's like a battleground. Yeah. So, okay. There you go. So you can relate and identify with the experience of the young person sitting right next to you. Mm. And, and and I think we do that often. You, like the most common thing is I'll get sit in front of somebody and the parents, and basically what they want to say is, will you, will you get my 15 year old to act as if they're 30? Right. Get right. them to think like a 30 year old who's an adult, who has life experience and who knows the link between their behavior and the consequences of the behavior. And they can be empathic of all other people. And they just, they can think through their, 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 choices before they act so that's lovely but that's not how 15 year old brains work no so there, there's a process here and there's there, there there's time 
that we have to be uh, to, to to consider. Um, but let's get talking. It sounds like it's actually the parents that need a lot more um, coaching when it comes to the changes than than the kid because the, like, I suppose the kid or the young person hormones are raging. There's all this stuff going on. They're kind of along for the ride. They're just doing their best. They're doing their best. Yeah. Yeah. They they they're just and and like even the parents. Like I asked your mom to go, can you remember the really opal, open, helpful, informative conversations you have with your parents mm. about this stuff? And you couldn't? No. No. And n- nor did I. Now, it, it wasn't because my parents were bad parents. It was because I was really shy. I had yeah, no same. vocabulary. I didn't know if it was okay to talk about this stuff. And I didn't know if they wanted to be the person I talked to anyway. Yeah. And I'm sure if I sat down with my parents and said, what were your parents like around this stuff? Like, how open were the chats in the 50s and 60s when these were teenagers? So it's kind of like just, like, let's try and do it differently than how we've always done it. Yeah, 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 completely. Because I don't think how we used to do it is is an approach that's going to work for everyone, particularly not today. Yeah. And I think when you work with young people as well, you often, like, a lot of it is crisis response stuff. The, the 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 distressing thing has happened, or, mm. or the, the the they've acted out in a way which has caused themselves or other people a problem, and you're there to kind of pick up the pieces afterwards. And I think it's it'd be much better if you did the early intervention stuff, where you talked openly before about the road ahead. Yeah, the, the, this, these are the kinds of scenarios and dilemmas that you're going to be facing over the next year or two. Um, let's get talking. Do mm. you have any questions? Yeah. Does anyone want to know? And often. It's tricky to have the conversations because, again, go back to when you're 15. Like you're, you're 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 going red all the time at the mention of anything. You're uncomfortable with certain topics being mentioned, um, and you don't have the confidence or the emotional intelligence to to really get into certain stuff and certain topics. Yeah. And I think why I thought a book would be useful is because it, it's 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 not exposing or shaming in a way that some conversations can be. And you can hone in on certain topics. It would anyone knowing which yeah. topics you're honing in on. Yeah. I'm reminded of a conversation I had with uh, a sexologist called Emily Power Smith on the podcast. I heard your conversation. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, Was thank it two you. parts? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's brilliant, isn't she? Yeah. And one of the biggest things that came out of it for me was, I suppose, uh, as a parent of, of, of two kids now, is that the talk doesn't happen like when they reach a cert- certain age and and the next thing you sit them down and you, and you tell them it all. It's happening the whole way along. And I, I want my kids to be comfy to ask me any kind of question, but I need to grow up and be mature enough to, to be okay with the awkwardness of it. And I think that's a key to it, isn't it? We have to get comfy with the uncomfortable. Yeah, because it, it, it's not like, like you can draw parallels to like discussing loads of different conversations between a parent and a teenager or a, uncle and aunt and their nephew and niece or who's a teenager or a sports sports coach and a teenager but none of them are really comparable to the conversations around sex and sexuality and intimacy and all of these things because yeah. a, a, a lot of people feel a little bit ashamed or a little uncomfortable it's it's embarrassing and 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 that's not just the teenager that could be the adult too yeah for loads of really obvious reasons they may have had experiences in their teens where they go, oh my God, I don't want this young person to go through what I went through or I don't want them to make the mistakes I made or I, I, I remember, I half remember how difficult it was, but Jesus, so so just, I, I want them to have a perfect, smooth ride with no bumps. 
and, and you really want that for young people. You don't really know how to bring it up or you don't know if that's achievable. You don't know if it's your place to say it. You don't know if they want you to be the one to talk to them about it. Yeah. Um, I think it's just important that we ensure, however, whether it's chats at home or curriculum from school or books like this or whatever else, young people, wherever they go for information is that they get appropriate information that helps. Yeah. And that we, we kind of change the, the landscape a little bit from this being a conversation that we expect each other to be embarrassed and ashamed and uncomfortable about to just normalizing it. Yeah, yeah, Particularly yeah. for teenagers. Because they're like, I kind of wrote this for 15 and 16 year olds in mind. There, there will be younger ones who'll be ready to understand some of the topics and there'll be plenty of people older than that who will still need to, to, to read some of it. But it's like, they're not far off like the age of consent, being able to drive, being able to drink, getting a job, earning their own money, moving out, going to college. Like they're just on the cusp of loads of big stuff. Um, and in the world of their sexual development, the, the things are really kicking off around that age. Yeah. Um, so help them. So help them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Just, just help them. And 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 this is one way. It, it, it's not the only way. Like. But it, it, it's one way. It must be really satisfying for you knowing that you are making a difference because, you know, not just the, the young lads and, and the parents and the people that come into your practice and, and that you you work with, um, but the people who will read this book that will, you know, not do that thing that will forever haunt them or whatever it might be that it's like, oh God, if I could only go back in time and if I knew that, you're you're going to prevent a lot of like, um, of those pitfalls, I suppose. Well, do, do you know what? I think it's, th there's nothing you can do in, in podcast or book form or documentary or conversation or class, anything you can do with young people that will absolutely prevent them yeah. from hurting other people, behaving in ways that they regret, saying stupid things, embarrassing themselves, or getting to their mid-twenties and they can look back and go, Jesus, I, I nailed that. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't make any changes. Like, that's not realistic either. No. So, like, loads of things they'll be doing throughout their teenage years are things they'll be doing for the first time. Mm. And, like, we have enough life experience now between us to know that you don't get everything right the first time. Yeah. And when it comes to relationships and sex and behaving with partners and saying the right thing in, in, in tricky conversations and relationships... It's, it's you're constantly learning totally the, the learning never stops never you never get to a stage where you go I'm nailed this bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is it now I, I'm the expert yeah completely um, so this is just kind of talking I think just helps I think it's better to talk about stuff than to pretend it doesn't exist or to pretend we all know everything because we don't no we don't especially not in this area I see a lot of parents struggle with um, not knowing at all or not coming across like they have they have it together for their kids. Is that a part of it? Or what have you experienced? Do, do they feel like they need to, you know, it, like... I think I, one of the... I, I often guess, and it, it's really common. Like you, you can imagine the mindset of, of, of parents who bring the young person to therapy. Like straight away, I think, brilliant. They're already really actively engaged in a process of doing all they can for this young person. Yeah. And they've acknowledged that, OK, additional support or additional intervention or help is needed, which is brilliant. That's what you'd love every parent to, to, to have that approach. 
and then they're sitting there and, and, and they might have some bit of kind of judgment they're going oh God, you know maybe we're not doing it right and that's why we're here and I kind of just like get that out of the room yeah like th- th- there's there's no um th- there's no reason to feel like you've got shortcomings here or that you're not doing it right if you if you think a book like this is needed to help out your young person or that you don't have all the answers yourself because it's tricky and obviously there's a there's a phase as well you might remember from your own or you might experience it when your kids at this age where it can feel like a battleground because I don't want to get too waffly and therapeutic here but like one of the one of the the, the things an adolescent does which is kind of their job is they have to they have to push back against boundaries yeah and they 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 ask questions and they sometimes challenge authority and that can and that's a healthy thing you're meant to yeah go to bed at nine no one half nine give me your phone at 10 i want a half 10 you know there's there's all this and sometimes parents can think my god they're regressing here they weren't like that when they were a child they're gone off the rails and that's appropriate you're you're meant to do that you're meant to push back and in relation to, to all this stuff if if you're at that stage of adolescence where it can just feel like a battle and they're giving you one word answers and grunting and they won't sit in the same room this is not the time they're going to sit down and start having open conversations about sex so there's a timing issue here as well it's not because you're a bad parent it's not because they don't like you or trust you or think that you're approachable but they're in that developmental stage where it just they're, they're digging in yeah <laughs> right they're trying to hold boundaries and keep you at a distance or push back from what you're trying to tell them they're trying to exert their independence and you're trying to give them a little bit of room but not so much room because you think they're too young to deal with total freedom which is your job as a parent yeah so it's just it can just feel like it's a tug of war but that's what sometimes anyone who's listened to this who's a parent of a teenager would be nodding away going Jesus yeah yeah well I I know a lot of of people who are and uh, and they they don't hold back in telling me how um the phase I'm in now it's the phase it's the is, developmental phase it's yeah. not a it's not a commentary on your poor parenting skills no. or the decline of your relationship yeah. with your son or daughter it's it's what they need to go through to get to where they want to be which yeah. is an adult that can stand on their own two feet and can respectfully and, and with emotional intelligence assert their boundaries in lots of different areas of their mm, life mm. but to get to that point they've, they've got to push back against someone and parents are in the front line yeah of course I mean, it's all relative, but friends of mine who do have kids in that phase of life, they, they do tell me like, you know, enjoy this now where you're at. Because they love you. They give you cuddles. Yeah, because when it gets to, <laughs> yeah. to our stage, they don't want to know. They don't want to, you know. If you want cuddles then during teenagers, get a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, I suppose it goes back to having good communication with your kids the whole way along will make hopefully that transition into teenage years a bit perhaps easier if they feel they can talk to you about other stuff well then maybe they'll feel comfortable asking you questions mm-hmm. when it comes to what's going on with me why am I feeling this way um, can I ask you about sex is this have you created a relationship with me where I'm not judged by what I ask and, and you know how and I think you can start doing this way before your teenager gets to 14 or 15 or 16 Thank you if you want to lay the groundwork for really kind of open non-judgmental exchanges or conversations or or questions and answers with your teen around sex or relationships well then choose carefully what words you use in front of them or around them 
when the topic of sex and relationships or sexual behavior comes up. Okay. So yeah. if you're 11 or 12 or 13 year old is sitting there and you are talking about some scene, whether it's in EastEnders or in some film or it's a couple, you know, down the road and someone got pregnant yeah, and, and it wasn't planned and you start making loads of judgmental remarks about them. Mm. Will that lodge in the young person's mind? They might understand fully what you're saying or why you're being judgmental, but they'll know. Or, or, or if you make other comments about, think of all the judgmental comments people make about relationships and sex. Yeah, yeah. Lots of it's aimed at women, yeah, um, in particular, um, but it's not all. Some around lads as well. So all of that stuff as well. And if sex is never discussed in your house throughout the whole childhood, you're kind of giving your young person in the house a message that sex is not something people discuss yeah and it's not something you're clearly comfortable to discuss because you've never mentioned it throughout my whole childhood yeah. so when i get to 14 or 15 and i have questions and mum has never mentioned sex and yeah. if the sex scene on tv the channel gets changed and no one talks about it or or you know your uncles and aunts are broken up and there's no discussion about the relationship ending or and it's just not discussed well then you're not going to be the go-to person for that young person because you've given them a slow to consistent messaging from day one. I'm not available for this. Yeah. This is not my terrain. Mm. So, and, and that's, again, I, I'm always mindful here sounding judgmental of certain approaches. That's, that's an approach. And I bet if there's a person listening to this who's never mentioned sex in front of the young person, there's probably a good reason. Yeah. They probably didn't have open conversations about it. They may have had experiences of their own, which... Like the conversation could be triggering for them. Yes, yes. And we are products of our own upbringing. It actually takes a fair bit of work, probably, to unlearn stuff that we've gone through. Um, Loads of my adult clients in my therapy practice over the years, a huge amount of the focus was that. Yeah. It was they heard certain things during their adolescence or had certain experiences which lodged in their brains and like a seed grew and grew and grew. Yeah. And they got to the age of 35 or 45 or 55 and they've spent 20 or 30 or 40 years having an internal conversation in their head based on the thing they said or did or heard or saw when they were a teenager. Whoa. So. And it can have a massive impact on the rest of your life. Of course it can. So yeah. so if, if you talk to someone now who's, who's having whatever experiences in, 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 in whatever area of their, their, their sexual development and, and you can just in really non-shaming, non-judgmental, nurturing, kind of loving ways. Yes, yeah. Then And then you set them off into their adulthood in, in a much healthier direction than the young person who's who's kind of grappling internally with what they've just done and goes, Jesus, what's this say about me? Mm. And you spend your adult life hammering yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's a real invitation for us as adults, us as parents, our aunts or uncles or anyone that's that has a connection with a younger person to bloody do the work get okay with it yourself that's what I'm really feeling from you that um, you know you can't expect a teenager to to be comfy if you're riddled with shame and judgment and awkwardness you, you know so we have to get comfy with the messy stuff mm. we haven't even spoken like people are probably listening going will she ever ask him what's actually in the book <laughs> so I mean you cover it you really do cover it all it's you know you, from sexual desire sexting safe sex even putting on a condom which I thought was absolutely brilliant because again like all things there's an assumption that you know you give a young lad a packet 
and he knows what to do but sure how would he he's exactly. never done it before and that came from myself and Elaine Burns a colleague of mine we used to do a sexual health workshop in a module in, in, in my old school and it was a six week thing and, and the final week was always the, the week that was always the most fun Okay. So we, we, it was like, it was about safe sex. So there's the bit about STIs mm. and this is, this is the symptoms of each one and this is how they're, they're contracted and this is how they're treated. But then there's the bit about, well, how do you prevent that? Yeah. Um, so we'd have big bag full of condoms, a lot of plastic looking penises and we'd invite them to, who, who's going to come up to the class and and, and try it right okay I can imagine the giddiness yeah, and the yeah, excitement and the buzz when you're 15 and you're 25 year mates in the class and someone's just been asked come up and show us how you use a condom yeah 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 um, and then we give everyone a go and then just circulate a load of different plastic penises and everyone gets to try and we go around and go well, this is what you know don't have an air bubble at the top and put it on the right way yeah, yeah. and this is how you take it off really practical stuff so you go way beyond lectures about the dangers of pregnancies or STIs. Yes. You're going to do actual helpful stuff. Going, if you want to have sex, go and have sex. It's potentially great. If you don't have sex, don't have sex. Yeah. Just just assert those boundaries and you're fine. But if you do want to have sex and you don't want to get pregnant and, and, and you don't want to get an STI, this is one of the really, really, really effective and important ways of preventing both. And here's how. Can so there's no, there's no judgment, no shame, yeah. no anything. Because you're not, because you're not approaching it that way either. So they're vibing off your, you like they'll pick up on whatever your kind of energy is. Mm. Um, but also, but also, there's a thing, and this is not just in terms of, like, for example, if they were to do it wrong, right? Like, it would be completely ridiculous of myself or Elaine in that classroom to turn around and reprimand them for getting it wrong. Of course, because you don't expect expertise from a 15 or 16 year old in an area that no one's ever talked to them about or demonstrated to them yeah. about. So that's why I think just a conversational approach is better than a... They're fiddly enough things anyway for adults, let's be honest. Yes. Come on. And if you chuck in then being drunk or uh, yeah. out of your head and drugs... And awkward oh, and you fancy this girl or this guy. Or so that's the real life stuff rather than just the one sentence stuff that you can summarise in a tweet about the importance of safe sex. That's great. But it's not helpful to a young person who needs a bit more. Yeah. Um, when does the energy go from giddy giddy messing slagging and jays look at your man doing it well you know what I mean to alright n- now I know how to actually do this when so the time comes in the class so and, and it's always the most fun um, so someone will come up and put the condom on and and then we distribute them and then I'll do loads and and, and you can see around the class that people are doing it and they, you know, they're, they're praising each other or they're a little bit competitive or whatever. And someone will always blow it up and put it on their head. Right. Because <laughs> that was a guy. <laughs> and they're, they're important too, those lads in those classes, because you, you want to be able to harness all the nervous energy yeah, and yeah, the giddiness yeah. and the hormones. And the laughter is what release. Exactly. If you go into a classroom setting like that or a conversation with a young person and you and you expect them to be all, yeah. you know, like sitting there and... and, and you're not understanding the person you're talking yeah. to or Look the at, world in which they're in. Even if you got a group of adults into a room to put uh, condoms on, on like penis looking like things. Yes. There'd be lots of laughter. Exactly. Mess. Come on. Exactly. Of course there would. I think that's better than, than just like not talking about it or, 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 or slagging each other for not having yeah. all the answers or for not being experts. Yeah. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Lots of the... Uh, the- the chapters are the sections in the book I, I really liked, but I thought your section on porn was brilliant because, again, it's a very realistic. Let's talk about it. That's <laughs> the name of the book. Mm. Um, the name is great. The publisher just came up with the name. It's brilliant. Like, oh, that just deadly. keeps coming yeah. back to it. Keeps coming back to it. Um, because, you know, we have a lot of opinion about porn. It's something that a lot of us are not comfortable talking about. Mm. Um, but while yes of course there can be negatives depending there are also positives so we need to just embrace it as it is and realize that it ain't going away Mm. it has always been around um and yes there is a bigger issue nowadays of the access that young people have to it at an earlier age that i was even aware of until i spoke to emily power smith and she was kind of saying usually from the age of 11 um, young people have access to porn which i i did i'm not going to lie i personally found a little shocking Mm but I'm glad I know that and that we need to be aware of that um, and I think it is a bit of a shame if you're seeing a lot at an early age because there is um, there is so much uh, beauty I suppose and fun in learning uh, as a young person and experiencing things for the first time but if you've been exposed to so much you're kind of denying yourself that opportunity too Um but anyway, what I really mm. liked in the book was how you discussed porn. Chats about porn are tricky because a lot of people think, oh Christ, do I have to talk about my relationship with porn? Or is the person going to ask me, do I watch porn? Do I like it? All this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then when you're talking to young people, you've, you've this thing of, well, if they don't know by me bringing it up, am I bringing attention to something they don't know about? Are, are they old enough? Like, what's the right age? How do I know they're all this kind of stuff but you're right like I'd be familiar enough for that what Emily told you like if you give a young person an iPhone or you give them a young person a smartphone um, or even if they don't have one they'll be hanging around with someone who does or, like they've access to stuff that just didn't exist when me and you were 11 yeah 
just didn't. So there, there's a lots of stuff that we'll, we'll chat around here that anyone who's ever worked with teenagers, like with any generation, they'll see again and again. But with this generation of teenagers, they just have a different landscape to navigate through in the ways that we didn't. Yeah. Like I remember, I, I, I think you'd have the odd VHS, like a video. Yeah. Like I assume most people listen to this know what a video is, but a lot of teenagers would have never, literally never seen or held a video. Yeah. It just, it's just not in their world. And, and there'd be, you might get a video, some of the older lads in the estate might have a video and you might hear about the video. Mm. And if you all happen to be in a free house at the time, you might see a section of it. Yeah. Um, there'd be a magazine maybe on a, on a trip with a, with a school or a football team. Like man, the simplicity of that world. Yeah. And, and, but yeah. now the world is different. That they've access to so much information about sex and so much imagery and footage of sex. Mm. And, and what that's doing to the young mind. That's the important thing. Because I think, again, me and you have enough life experience to know that, that, that there's loads of different ways to have sex and there's loads of different ways that your partner might enjoy sex or you can communicate about sex or you can you can just... You, you know you know the landscape because we've been in it for a while now mm. but when you're when you're 15 it, it's first of all really appropriate that you get excited about sexual imagery and sexual footage yeah it's appropriate to be curious that's what's meant to happen so 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 you remove any of the judgment about oh my god he's watching oh my god he likes sex he, he's turned on by sex yeah like so so remove that because that's normal healthy development and the thing with porn is, particularly to people at that age, they've no reference point to real experiences yet. They're, they're yeah. in, like they're in the main, very inexperienced cohort you're talking about, and they're just starting to have certain experiences, or their friends are. So if they're watching porn, uh, the way I kind of approach in the book, it, it's it, it, it's not obviously a, a finger wagging, lecturing, warning kind of chat. It's just this exists. Mm. I'm sure you're excited by sex and, and curious about sex. It's totally appropriate you'd want to learn. You'd want to learn more about it. It's totally understandable you'd like to be good at it the first time you do it or have it, whatever language you want to use. So it makes sense, actually. When I think about it, why wouldn't you look at porn at some point? Mm. However, because you've no real life experiences and no adult talks to you about this, and you probably don't discuss the porn scenes you watch with your parents. You're going to be left on your own to work out which is the bits I should kind of replicate when I'm in that situation and which are the bits that will get me arrested if I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and you've got to acknowledge in porn, some of them are, are healthy sex scenes and some of them are actual crime scenes. Yeah, yeah. But that the, the, there won't be a notice on the on the screen telling you which is which. Like me and you could watch or be aware of a scene where I don't know, maybe, maybe a, a woman is repeatedly smacked or, or she's is spoken about in a really derogatory way or she repeatedly says no, but the, the man or the more than one man just ignores the no and keeps going. Like those scenes are all over the internet. Mm. They're all over porn and you don't have to go digging dig too deep for them. So if you're a young person trying to work out, okay, I want to have a partner one day, let's say a girl, I want to have a girlfriend one day and I want to have sex and I want to be good at it and I want to make sure they're enjoying it. Mm. Porn will teach me. Now, that's a really rational way for a young person to think. Yeah. Um, and so he'll see all these people being mistreated in porn and go, wow, she, she seemed to really like that. The more she was called a whore and a slut and actually 
smacked across the face or on, on the backside or spat on or really like again there'd be somebody be listening to this going oh actually that's part of my sex life and that's fine you're an adult you get to yeah. consensually work sure. out with your partner whatever the hell you want to do in a bedroom yeah, yeah. but if you're a 15 year old we've got to help them tease out healthy from unhealthy consensual non-consensual mm. like okay criminal yeah 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 and and, and that's why I kind of took that approach yeah I would imagine at the end of the book um, whether you're you, the young guy reading it or, or the parent or whoever it is picks it up you are going to because I did I found myself asking myself the whole way along not just when I was younger but now as a woman of 40 nearly 43 that you know yeah what do I like what do I want what feels right for me and that has changed mm. obviously I bet it has yeah yeah because we do we all change and it's it's ever evolving which is what's lovely about it I think um, and the more connected you are with the person you are with I think the more freedom it gives you in your own skin and in your sexual relationship together um, but I definitely found myself like checking in with myself every time I was reading that would be a scary idea that as you said whether it's a guy or a girl that sees something because I remember Emily again I keep going back to it but I thought what she said was brilliant she was great she's amazing she's, and if people listen to this haven't listened go listen to it ah cheers thanks yeah it's, there, she is really really good but when she said guys young guys watch porn to know what to do and girls watch porn to know how to behave yeah and what to look like yeah now obviously there's loads of different ways in which sex is enacted and depicted and performed in porn obviously but but a, a very prominent theme or pattern of, of many many scenes is the purpose is to get the guy to come yeah and the woman is that's her role to support him in that endeavor yeah okay yeah yeah and 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 she is and that's her role and which again in in lots of circumstances you can that can be done in a really healthy consensual fun like amazing way but it it's it's not particularly useful to have a the the entire youth population learn about sex and porn and whether they're male or female come away with the idea that that's what sex is yeah that it's about the guy deciding what he wants the woman facilitating it if it's a man and a woman together and then once he comes that's it mm. job done everyone's happy we've got you know we've got we've we've got to the point where we all wanted to get mm. like they're, they're missing out a huge amount of the experience there yeah mm. Relationships, breakups, they're all covered in the book as well. So it's not just, uh, we're obviously, I've kind of automatically gone into the obvious, which is sexual desire, uh, you know, the act of sex itself, porn, that all goes with it. But you really do focus on the emotional side of things hugely because mm. that's so important because we learn about what's happening biologically in school. Like we learn, we learn the basics, but it's the emotional and mental aspect of of all those changes hormonally that are happening and, and all that goes with it, that is massive. Do you, do you know, I, I only thought this this morning coming in and I and I don't remember actively thinking about it when I wrote the book, but something my therapist said to me years ago, I, I just asked him some conversation, I said, are you, are you busy loads with, with the recession or something? That was the question I asked at the time. And he said, um, a, a lot of my work is helping people fall out of love. Right. And I was like, okay, I, I did what you're doing now. You're kind of looking into this and going, what the hell? Okay, what does that mean? And I asked him and and he said, we don't 
you know, learn about that, about about ending relationships in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, there's no discussion anywhere that yeah. I remember of breakups. Exactly like you said, you learn what goes where. Yeah. Certain body name parts, the names of body parts. Um, but stuff like that, I think, is useful to know as well. Yeah. Of any age, and again, because I, I, I would have a lot of young clients who are uh, the children of parents who are no longer in a relationship. And in in some cases, they've they've broken up in a really healthy way and they co-parent in a really healthy way. Um, and whether it's over one household or two households, whatever it is, it's all done in a healthy way. There are loads of examples, though, where the it's not. And I think young people in those scenarios might grow up to believe, well, when you break up, it, 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 you, you sign up to a lifelong conflict with your ex. Mm. And you're, you're meant to make disparaging remarks. You're meant to not talk to each other. You're meant to make shitty remarks about them on social media. You're meant to be rude around each other, blank their calls, send dirty mess- send rude messages, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Oh, really unhealthy stuff. You know, that's not, that's not the aspiration here. It can be done differently. Mm. Um, so just tease out ways in which it can be done. And like nowadays, conversations around, well, like do we delete social media posts of us together? Do we, if we have nude photos of one another, what do we do with that? That's something you cover as well, which yeah. I thought was fantastic because, you know, that's, that's, and not just for young people, like that is a thing. Yeah. You know, it is a it is a thing now, and which didn't exist when we were teenagers. Again, no, I didn't have to navigate like when I'm like if I was with my partner and we were teenagers and really aroused or in different households, and she suggested or I suggested you know send a pic. Yeah, and I I I, I never had to work out as a teenager what do I do in that situation, mm. or when when I had to deal with the aftermath of sending a picture to someone and going oh, Christ I wish I didn't do that. Mm sending a picture online to someone who turns out not to be the person they think they are and you're dealing with the aftermath of that mm. or your ex has pictures of you and you've had a really shitty breakup and you're dealing with the worry of that these are all things we didn't have to deal with that when we were teenagers no and like when you say that now I'm actually getting a, like I, I feel like I'm just it's almost like a almost like a hot flush for want of a better <laughs> description because I'm being reminded of something that happened to me myself as a teenager and when I look at it now, it seems so innocent and non- nonsensical. But at the time, I was crippled with uh, anxiety about it. And it was that I kissed this guy and I, I felt a lot of shame about it, right, mm-hmm. as a kid. And I felt guilty for feeling that way um, because I didn't want anyone to know. And when I think of it now, it's so innocent. But that crippled me. I, I it was it, it was my every thought and I'm even now starting to feel that awkwardness I felt at the time because I felt guilty because I felt I'm thinking bad thoughts about this guy and he's kind of just an innocent guy really but then um, I don't think my friends would have approved so I didn't want them to know and I was I had all of these different emotions going on and that was just giving a, a guy a kiss I, I think so you're sitting there and I'm just imagining what would I be like if I had sent that guy yeah. a photo are yeah. he had sent me. Do you know what I mean? I'm just going, that is a whole other realm. So what you're doing now is you're getting in touch with your teenage self, which is what we said a moment ago. Like a lot of us, because it's so long ago, we we forget yeah. or we don't think. And, and we expect certain responses or uh, certain abilities or certain 
patterns of thought from the young person we're talking to. And we forget the things which, to use your words, are relatively innocent and really low level mm. can feel so overwhelming. Yeah. And, and in times can feel catastrophic. And like, so you have to be really just empathic and, and just remember, oh yeah, we're, we're not talking to someone who's got a, a, a loads of experience and loads of perspective and have been on the life journey long enough to realize that, you know what, this'll pass in a few days and, and in the bigger scheme, no one matters. You're, you're talking to a group of people who, you know, they won't, don't want to go to school because they have a cold sore and they think the whole room will look at them. Yeah. They're, they're so embarrassed by the thing they did or didn't say last Friday. Or there's a picture and they look really bad in the picture or not and the picture went online. Th these are things that are like re really overwhelming to a young person. To yeah. an adult you go, don't be such a drama queen. Sure. Don't be, don't be such a melodramatic little shit. Yeah. But in the, the mind of a young person. It's all like, consuming. It's all consuming. They're so self-conscious at, at stages during adolescence. Yeah. And it's, when you and when you fall in love for the first time, it's it's like love like you've never felt before. That first breakup is it's like devastation like you've never felt before. Yeah. And 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 as you said, having empathy for that, not dismissing it is so important. God, I'm having so many flashbacks. <laughs> but I like this, like this is this is we're doing just what like it was having a chat. Yeah. That's what it's all I about. Conversations like this are, are are worth having. Ideally, not with a microphone for most people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'd prefer not to not to have these conversations aired. But I think when you when you have chats like this and you remember little bits of your own teenage experience, you you, you just immediately develop a bit more understanding or empathy for a teenager. And I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Rather than go in going, this is what you should do. Like teenagers are full of adults telling them what they should do. Mm. But adults who, who kind of approach it with understanding and empathy for what they're going through. That's a really good place to start. Yeah. What's been the reaction with um, friends, family who've read it? Um, the only person I know who's read it all is my mum. Yeah. And she sent me a message the other day because I got copies about two weeks ago. Um, and I, I sent a handful of them out to people and my mum and I, I hope she won't mind me say, I was like mum you need to get yourself back on Tinder now like think <laughs> of what you now know <laughs> you didn't know before you read this and she makes some jokes she says oh listen all I need to do is order a pizza now I read the porn <laughs> section I know what happens when pizzas get delivered so oh, that was a, a nice little reaction. chat with my, <laughs> yeah. my mother yeah. but it's uh, I, I, yeah I, look I and you know, I, in in a way, I'd I'd prefer to have these conversations where I wasn't here promoting a book because it sounds like I'm just promoting a book. But I think the issues in it are worth promoting, and they're worth talking about, and and conversations with one another are worth having. Yeah, um, and again, it's back to what you have written in the book for your 15 year old self. It you, look how far you've come. Look at where, look at all the work you've done, primarily on yourself, that you now can, um help other people as a result um, of your training of all the self-reflection you did yourself and you know I know it's an overused term but the journey you've gone on yourself I, I, I think I, like I'm sure it is like uh, uh, another reason to write a book which is promoting open conversations or the title Let's Talk is because I suppose I would have had a lot of experiences or years of my life where there was stuff I wanted to say that I couldn't yeah um, and 
or, or that that I had feelings of shame or embarrassment or discomfort about some of the things I did or didn't do in this area of my life. Um, and then when I wrote the book a few years ago, I remember going, Jesus, this is this is mad. I'm after writing down the most personal stuff, the most intimate stuff, the stuff I never spoke to my closest friends about. And then I had a lovely moment a week ago um, where my wife's cousin works in the, the prison system and she in the prison service and she had asked me a while ago will you come into Wheatfield Prison because we've got a rake of books copies of your first book um, and we just I think the lads would really appreciate if you come in and spoke to them right. and I went in last Friday and I sat up at the top of the, the, the hall and my wife's cousin sitting next to me asked me a few questions and and the group of people in front of me 95% of them I'd say were the prisoners and there was some staff I don't know how many of them maybe 50, 60, 80 people I don't know what and I spoke with complete comfort mm. total comfort about all of the things that I used never say to people mm. so about my own stuff with drink or my own stuff with shame around what happened to me when I was a teenager or going to therapy or attending therapy or you know talking with you know, you say things that you don't think lads should talk about or you don't admit or you don't show your vulnerability or your weakness. All that stuff. All bollocks. Yeah. Am I allowed to bear? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and it was lovely just to be able to sit there and, and then a few of the lads come up afterwards and then they, I'll repeat what was, they started opening up a little bit about stuff that, that, that they were dealing with or had dealt with. And and, and it, it, it's just all that stuff. It's like, we all have stuff. Mm -hmm. we all have stuff that we haven't said to people or when we think about it we get a little bit embarrassed or ashamed um, and, and we think we're unique in that yeah. I'm the only person who's think this I'm the only person who's done that and if my friends or my family knew I said or did that or did or didn't do that what would they think of me and I just offloading that or processing that or just getting rid of it, it, it is it, it is a worthwhile pursuit Yeah. And and I think it starts by chatting yeah it does yeah yeah. To the right person in the right forum. Yeah. Usually less private than podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is why I love chats like this. Um, well, also with with people like you, because you are clearly extremely comfortable, which then puts me at ease, because if you were anyway awkward, I, I'd feel that, you know, and vice versa. Do you get embarrassed by anything anymore? Um, I'm sure if you're really pushed me here I might but I can't think of anything yeah like all the usual stuff like around sex or or, or, or. that's you actually that's the first that's the go-to place that's the first category that come up in my head where you mentioned the word embarrassment yeah I, that's the area that I most associate that I think most of us feel that in that area of our life totally which is mad isn't it it is because it's such a normal Because we're all having part. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all exist because of it. Yeah, exactly. And yes, we're, we're we're unsure where to go when the topic is mentioned. Yeah. Because it's so much feckin' judgment and women should do it. This, this this is appropriate do's and don'ts for females. And this is appropriate do's and don'ts for lads. And and I don't know. There, there, there's, there's surely a different, better way. Yeah. Well, this is a, a massive step forward in that regard. You really have covered it all. Um, I just want to know now what the next book is going to be. 
I, I, I will go home and tell Fiona if I ever mention the thought of writing another book you were to shoot me okay this is uh, I, this is now the second time you've yeah. said this <laughs> on record um, I, I like it's gas I, I I didn't think I had a book in me I never thought I'd, I'd, I'd write the last book I wrote um, and if a 15 year old me was told that I'd be having a conversation like this at the ripe old age of 43 if 25 year old 35 year old me was told that yeah I, I, I would have it would have just been astounding to me like completely I, I would not have been able to even contemplate a conversation like this about a book like this which was written by me yeah um, it, it would have been way too big a leap to consider um, but it's possible that's how life you've done how it, life yeah. <laughs> works out isn't it yeah I, I started all that in the very private safe space of a therapy room sure yeah um, and I think a lot of people is, that will be the start for a lot of people yeah I think it, 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 it's it's important it, message, it's yeah. an important start it's an important thing to say because yeah. um, we probably all have memories of where you say something to somebody and they don't react the way you want them to um, there's a time and a place for certain conversations and there's certain people and we all have them who you know but they're not the person that can hear this or will be able to listen to this or mm. can support me or respond in the way that I think I need uh, or do you know there's just some people who you think they'll, they'll just listen they won't tell me what to do but I'll feel better after speaking to them yes um, yeah. we all have them so it, it, it is good to talk but it's important to choose carefully who you speak to about the personal stuff the intimate stuff um, yeah it's really good because know? there is you know because you can't take it back if you do decide to open up to somebody who's mm. just not able for it or will ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details say the wrong thing you, you, you can't really take that conversation back mm. yeah, it's a really good message um, look at I wish you the best with it I, I don't need to wish you the best with it because I know it's going to be uh, a huge seller and it's absolutely brilliant as I said to you I'm going to be holding on to it 
for my own son and um maybe she'll just write one with fiona but the, the female perspective next time because we need we need one of those two leave that with me yeah okay that's the next one <laughs> richie thanks a million thanks a million thanks for asking me back if you enjoyed this conversation, you can go back and listen to our earlier chat if you missed that one. And why not check out the episodes I recorded with sexologist Emily Powersmith as well. You've been listening to Ready to Be Real. Ready to be real.